Lord is, isn't he? We're going to dismiss the young people to junior church. Appreciate Brother George and Kathy going and picking up the kids from camp, the teens from camp. I think they had a great time there at camp this last week. and So cool up there. Because, <laughs> oh, it's hot. It was hot. Turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles to the book of Habakkuk. Some people call it Habakkuk. The book of Habakkuk, one of the minor prophets, Habakkuk chapter number 2 and verse number 1. Let's all stand as we read God's word out of giving reverence to the word of God. I pray that, that as we come to the word of God that our hearts would be open to what God has to say to us. You say, well, pastor, you know, I'm here, I'm here, but you know, you can be here and uh, have your ears on your head but not be listening. You know, I can tell how sometimes people are like, lights are on, lights are off, and there's no one home. You know, when, when we do that, uh, sometimes, you know, you can look at somebody, and you can see them stare. It's like they're staring right through you. They're, they're, you know, your young people know how that works, right? And you just kind of, you know, you're listening to what mom and dad's saying because you don't want to do this because then they might say, you're not listening to me. That's why we always do this. You know, you look at me, at my eyes, and uh, be listening. So here in this portion, it's important that we listen to what God's word says. Here in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1. I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I will, shall answer when I am reproved. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for this time in your word. Lord, I thank you for the preciousness of your word how it reveals to us who you are, who your son Jesus, our Savior, is all, all about. Lord, what he's done for us, how miraculous he has been. And Father, today we need to see a, a clear picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, high and lifted up. Father, I pray that people today would fall in love with Jesus. Even those who know him as their Savior, Lord, we can get caught up in, in serving and lose our first love. And Lord, I pray today that we would be reminded of the one that we're serving and what he's done for us and how great and wonderful a Savior he is. Lord, if there's one here today without Jesus, I pray that the gospel would be presented so simple and so easy to understand that they would open their heart and let Jesus Christ come in and save them from their sin. Father, thank you for being with us here today. I pray, God, for your mercy and for the words to speak as you would have me speak today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you. May be seated. I would encourage you to do a study on the term faithful and faithfulness in the scriptures from beginning to end. It's an interesting study in the word of God. Uh, it teaches us many things about this idea of being faithful. Faithfulness in the, uh, in the scriptures uh, is an important truth. He that is faithful in that which is little will be faithful in that which is much. When you are, do what God says uh, to do in the little things, then you will be faithful in the bigger things. Faithfulness defined, is defined this way and by Noah Webster. He says, fidelity, loyalty, firm adherence to allegiance and duty, and to the duties of a station, a strict performance of promises and vows. We see many people today, when they get a job, 
and they say, you know, I'm going to be faithful to the job. I'm going to, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to uh, be involved. It's on. Um, I'll be in faith. I'll be faithful. To See, it was on. <laughs> These guys are trying to get me to turn myself off. There we go. I'm back on again. Okay. Uh, we see many who get jobs today, and, and uh, they're there for a day or two, or maybe even a week or two, and then all of a sudden, they just don't show up anymore. I remember uh, one of the uh, managers, uh, Becky, uh, who used to manage uh, the Wal Walmart, she says, Pastor, have you heard the new term that's out? I said, what term is that? She says, it's ghosting. And I thought, well, ghosting. I'm, I, I'm thinking computer language and stuff. I said, what is ghosting? She says, well, that's what people do when they come to job for a little bit, and then all of a sudden they just don't show up anymore. They're like Casper the Friendly Ghost. They just don't show up. They're gone. And so I said, oh, in other words, they're people that have no loyalty, no uh, discipline in coming to the jobs. And, you know, faithfulness, may I share with you, is an attribute of our God. Faithfulness is an attribute of our God. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9. Keep your finger here in Habakkuk because we're coming back there. But Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse number 9. Deuteronomy chapter 7. It's important to see the foundational principles for which we are to build our life as we are to build our life upon the principles of God's word. Deuteronomy 7 and verse number 9. Look what it says. It says. Know, therefore, that the Lord thy God, he is God. Notice, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Our God is a faithful God. When we think about being faithful, our God is faithful all the time. He's faithful all the time. I can call on him in, in, in the... At the 10 o'clock hour, I can call at the 11 o'clock hour. I can call him at, at 3 o'clock in the middle of the night. Brother Randy was saying he's going to call me at 3 o'clock in the middle of the night to remind me of something out here. I said, Brother, I was already awake uh, at, at that point, um, but not for the same reason. But you understand, uh, being faithful to God, you're always there. I remember a lady called me at 2 o'clock in the morning, and she had this big Bible question that she wanted to ask. Now, at 2 o'clock in the morning, I was asleep. And I said, uh, she called me, and you know, Usually, you think of the bad things that happen at late night like that. Somebody's in the hospital. Somebody's been just taken there. There's a car accident or something like that, a death in the family. And uh, I, said, uh, I said, who is this? And she explained who it was. And I could hear the vacuum sweeper going on uh, in the background. I said, what are you doing? She says, well, I was, I'm vacuuming. I can't sleep. Now, she was in an apartment complex. And I'm thinking, 2 o'clock in the morning, oh, goodness. She says, and I, had, I came across this Bible question. I thought I would ask you and see what. I said, you know, ma'am, I said, I would love to answer your question. I said, I probably would do better at 8 o'clock in the morning uh, rather than at 2 o'clock because it was just some simple question. But it came across her mind at 2 o'clock. Please, don't call me at 2 o'clock. I might, I might give you the wrong answer, and I don't want to do that. But you understand, uh, I was there, I would, I would have, you know, if there was a need, I would have been, I'd have been there for her. But you know what? Our God is faithful all the time. He's faithful to us. Go to, go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 9 in the New Testament. The God of the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 9. 
1 Corinthians 1 and verse number 9. God is faithful, by whom ye were called unto fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. God is faithful. Isn't it great that we've got a faithful God? We have a faithful God. You say, well, Pastor, uh, when we think about faithful, uh, and we think about faithfulness today in the terms that we, we think about, people say, you know, well, uh, I'm faithful. And you say, okay, let's define faithful. If you were on the job and you came on a five-day work week and you came uh, four out of the five days, how would your boss feel about that? You say, well, Pastor, um, they, they probably wouldn't like that. We had a student when we were in, in California, and the, the student, he would, he would be gone on Mondays, and he'd be gone on Fridays. And so, you know, you could only, in our school, you could only be gone so many days, and then you would be out of the school. And uh, he was really struggling and, and everything, and so uh, went on for a little bit of time, and I said, to, uh, I tried talking with his mom, and and she tried him hawing and giving him excuses. Well, this boy had he had stomach cancer, and he would go in on Friday for treatment, and he would he would be so sick on Saturday, Sunday, and into Monday that he would take him that long to get back uh, in with the treatment, and then be Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then he'd go through that whole cycle again. And I told her, I, and I said. Uh, you know, at first, when she was trying to tell me, well, he's just gone, he's not feeling well, uh, she didn't tell me the reason for it. I said, well, you know, it's important to be faithful because you get behind in the materials, you won't be able to catch up. And so then when she finally told me what the problem was, I said, oh, I understand. You know, you should have told me that up front. We would have been able to work with you a little bit more uh, and, and trying to help you to get through. Folks, you know what? Faithfulness is being there. If you're five days, you're supposed to be there five days, it's five days out of five days. That's faithfulness. Uh, people say, well, you know, <laughs> I'm faithful at church. Uh, and uh, you say, well, so really, what, when do you come? Uh, Easter and Christmas. There's some people, that's, they're, they're faithful. I remember a gentleman, at, at, when I was out in California, I was out working outside, I was doing some landscaping, and he says, uh, he, says uh, he came up to me, he says, oh, I come, I come to this church regularly. He says, uh, I said, really? I said, uh, he says, oh, yeah, I know the pastor real well. So I just play dumb. And I said, really, what does he look like? Well, he's an, he's an old guy. Uh, he's a gray-haired guy. And I, this is before it was gray. And uh, so I sat back and I said, well, interesting. Tell me a little bit more. He said, oh, yeah, I, I'm really, you know, I come here all the time. I said, really? And so after he goes on this long spiel and all this stuff, and it's all made up. But, you know, in his mind, he's faithful. I said, oh, by the way, I'm the pastor. His mouth dropped open. Um, faithfulness. I'm glad we have a God who's not like that. He's faithful all the time. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If I come to God and I confess, I come into agreement with God about my sin, my, that's my part, to confess. He is faithful. He's always faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I can count on it. I can have a new slate. I can have a new beginning because my God, I can count on him to keep his word. I think of Jesus Christ, our wonderful Savior. Go to Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. He's faithful. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. Revelation 1, 5. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness 
and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, is a faithful witness. He's a faithful witness. He knows those that are his. He knows and he's not going to turn you away if you know Jesus as your Savior. When you get to heaven, he's not going to say, oh, I don't know you. No, no. The, the, the foundation of the Lord standeth sure. He knoweth those that are his. He's a faithful witness to those who have opened the door of their life and asked Jesus Christ to come into their life. Hebrews 2.17 says, Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made unto, uh, like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in the things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. Jesus Christ is a faithful high priest. The high priest would go on behalf of men to God then pray and intercede to God on behalf of men. Jesus is a faithful high priest. There is someone who's praying for you today, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's praying that you make the right choices. He's praying that you won't sin. He's praying for your strength and for the encouragement of your life. Jesus is a faithful high priest. Go to Revelation chapter 19, verse number 11. Revelation 19 and verse 11. This is when Jesus Christ comes back. The battle of Armageddon. And we get to come back with him. In Revelation chapter 19 and verse number 11. And I, and I saw heaven opened. And behold a white horse. People say, well pastor, are there, are there horses and, and animals in heaven? Well I don't know about all the other animals. I don't know if you, there's dogs and cats and things like that. In I have no idea about that. But I do know one thing. There are horses there. Why? Because it says here, behold a white horse. There's a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in his righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. The Word of God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only, as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. This one who is, the, who is faithful and true is Jesus Christ. Jesus is faithful and true. Not only was, is God faithful and this, our Savior is faithful, but we see examples of faithfulness of men. You say, well, pastor, that's God. God can be faithful all the time because he's God. But can I tell you, there's people mentioned in the Bible that were faithful. Moses was a faithful man. In Numbers chapter 12, verse 7, God says, My servant Moses is not so, who is faithful in all mine house. See, as a, as a believer, you can be faithful too. People, examples of faithfulness. Moses was faithful. You say, did, did Moses mess up at times? Yes. But Moses bent, and his desire of his heart was to be faithful, to be faithful to his God. David was referred to as faithful. Remember when David was on the run from Saul and he went to Ahimelech and who was the, uh, who was the, the priest there and uh, 
David went to him for some food and some, and, uh, some help. And 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 14, as Ahimelech now is brought before Saul, it says this, Then Ahimelech answered the king and said, And who is so faithful among all thy servants as David? David was a man who loved God. He was faithful. When Saul gave him a job, David did the job. He was a faithful man. People knew his character. He knew who he was by how he lived. Then I think of Daniel. Daniel was a man who was faithful. Turn with me to the book of Daniel, chapter 6. Daniel, chapter number 6 and verse number 4. I love reading through the book of Daniel. It's a great book. A lot of encouraging things. In fact, if you want to know about prophecy, you've got to really know about the book of Daniel. It's the backbone of prophecy. Daniel chapter, num Daniel chapter number 6. Here, let's go back to verse number 1, catch the context. It pleased Darius. He was the, the, uh, now the king of the Medes and the Persians here in Babylon. And it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 uh, princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. And over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above all the presidents and princes, because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Then the presidents and the princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could find none occasion nor fault. Notice, for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Daniel was a man who was faithful. They were looking to find some fault that they could knock his character out. But Daniel was a faithful man. He was a man who walked with integrity. Hey, that's what we need today. We need believers, Christians, who walk with integrity. We have people today that have no integrity. I mean, their, their word means nothing. They say one thing to this group and another thing to this person here, and there, there is no integrity. Folks, we need to get back to biblical principles of integrity, of being faithful to our God first and then to others. Then I think of Timothy. He was a faithful young man. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 4, 17, for this cause have I sent unto you Timotheus, that's the Apostle Paul sent Timotheus, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways, which be in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. Timothy was a faithful man. He was a man, when Paul gave him a job, Timothy followed through. Some people call him uh, the troubleshooter. When there were churches and they had problems in the churches to help straighten them out, the Apostle Paul would say to Timothy, he was a faithful man taking the responsibility of the Word of God to help people, to encourage people. You know, the Lord expects us to exhibit the same attributes of faithfulness in our life as it is in His. You see, well, Pastor, that's God. Well, there was Daniel. There was David. Uh, there's Timothy. Those people were exceptional. I submit to you that God expects it from all of his children. If you are a believer here today, you say, well, pastor, sure, I'm a believer. I'm in church. Just because you're in church does not mean you're a believer. 
There's a lot of people that just fill a pew and come in and sit down, and they, they, you know, that's what Christians do, or people who call themselves Christians. But see, folks, can I share with you that a person who's a believer has a heart for the things of God. Here, an interesting thing, when we think about Luke 12, 42, and the Lord said, who then is a faithful and a wise steward whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household to give them their portion of meat in due season? The Lord is talking about there, he's talking about a parable. He's talking about an issue of being, he's looking around, who can I find to be in charge, to take responsibility? Hey, it's a faithful person. It's a faithful person. It's a faithful person. In Matthew 25, verse 21, we, we all want to hear that, that term. You know, if I say, well, when we get to heaven, we want the Lord to say unto us what? Well done, thou what? Good and faithful servant. Matthew 25, 21 says, His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Hey, that's an interesting principle that comes with faithfulness. When you're faithful over that which is little, God will bless you and give you more opportunity to be faithful over bigger things. But if you're unfaithful in that which is little, you'll be unfaithful in that which is much. Why would God give you greater responsibility, greater opportunities, if you won't even be faithful in that which is little. I submit to you today that God's not going to tell you in heaven, well done, thou good and faithful servant, if you're not a faithful servant. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. Turn over there with me to 1 Corinthians 4, 2. Paul talking about the aspect of being a steward say, well, pastor, what's a steward? It's a person who has an overseership. And every one of us are a steward. You have a steward of, over your life. You have a stewardship of your life. What you do with your life, you're one day going to have to give an account to the Lord about how you lived your life. And God's going to look at whether you are a faithful steward or not. If you just squandered your time and squandered your, your money and squandered your, your talents on other things, God's going to hold you accountable for that. What have you done with Jesus since you've been saved? Look what Paul says in verse, chapter 4, verse number 1 of Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. Let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mystery of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. That word required, it means de demanded, expected. I submit to you today that God looks at you and he looks at me and he looks at us as being a steward. And what have you done with the stewardship that you have been given? You may have been given a stewardship of teaching a Sunday school class. God's going to look at how you have done that job to teach that Sunday school class. He's going to look at how much preparation that you put into it. Well, pastor, you know what? I was just so busy. I was so tired. I didn't have time to study my lesson. I didn't have time for all that because I was just doing... Can I tell you something? One day, God's going to look at your stewardship. He says it's required that a steward be found faithful. When you sing a song, Brother George, I appreciate Brother George singing the song that he did this morning. Can I tell you something? God's going to look at the stewardship of preparation and how he prepped and got ready for that time to do it. Well, pastor, I'll just shoot from the hip. 
any old thing. I'll just pull up my songbook and do it. Can I tell you something? Jesus gave us his best. We ought to give, our, give him our best. We ought to prepare. That means it involves our time and how we invest our time. God expects it. Not only expects it, he demands it. Hebrew and Habakkuk, go back to Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1. We find a, a demonstration of a man who was faithful to the Lord. What were some of those characteristics about being faithful? You say, Pastor, if I just had some, some things to kind of, you know, some nails to put my hat on there to be able to discern those things, that would be a help if I, if I knew uh, some things that, that God expects in this idea of faithfulness. We'll go back to Habakkuk chapter 2, and we see, first of all, that Habakkuk, he was the prophet of God. He was the spokesman of God. And I want you to see, first of all, that he was faithful to be on time. He was faithful to be on time. Look at chapter 2, verse 1. I will stand upon my watch. I will stand upon my watch. Someone has said that Habakkuk was the smallest man in the Bible. You say, why is that? Because he could stand upon his watch. Some of you will get it later, I know. You know, in the Bible, a watch was a period of time. Uh, Jesus came to his disciples uh, on the sea in the fourth watch. We find that in Matthew chapter 14, verses 23 through 26. Remember, he sent them to go on the other side, and, and he saw, you know, he went up to pray, and he came, they were, the waves were coming, and content, uh, they were against him, and, and Jesus came to them in the fourth watch. You know, when we think about that watch, you say, well, what, what are you talking about the fourth watch? Well, the Jews in the scriptures had three periods of time that were made up of four, uh, four hours each. We see, for example, if you look on it, in uh, Lamentations chapter 2 and verse number 19, go back, if you would, you got the middle of your Bible, is, uh, you're going to go to the book of uh, Jeremiah, it's the biggest book, and then you look right to the right of that, you'll find the book of Lamentations written by Jeremiah. But Lamentations chapter 2 and verse number 19, we find the first watch mentioned here. In Lamentations chapter 2 and verse number 19. It says, Arise, cry out in the night. In the beginning of the watches, pour out thine heart, uh, thine heart like water before the face of the Lord. Lift up thine hands toward him for the life of thy young children that faint for hunger in the top of every street. Here, Jeremiah was telling the people that they, would, they should... They should cry out to God in the, the beginning of the watch. The beginning of the watch was the first watch. You say, what was the first watch? Well, the evening started at 6 o'clock p.m. And it went from 6 o'clock p.m., the first watch would be until 4 hours would be 10, right? That was the first watch. Then go, if you would, to the book of Judges, chapter 7, verse number 19. Judges, chapter 7, and verse number 19, we find the middle watch. And that would be from 10 o'clock p.m. until 2 a.m. Judge, uh, Judges chapter 7 and verse number 19. Here's Gideon. He's getting ready to go against the Midianites. So Gideon and a hundred men that were with him came 
uh, unto the outside of the camp in the beginning of the middle watch. And they had put up new, uh, they had but uh, newly set the watch, and they blew the trumpets and break the pitchers and were in their, that were in their hands. So here at 10 o'clock at night, they just set the new watch that was going to watch from 10 o'clock until 2 a.m. And here, they uh, can you imagine Gideon with their groups are all around, and they blow their trumpets, and they crack the pitchers, and the light was there. Man, those people would be in confusion. 10 o'clock at night. But notice the third one we find is mentioned in Exodus chapter 14 and verse 24. Exodus chapter 14. This is referred to as the morning watch. This would be from 2 o'clock a.m. To, to 6 o'clock a.m. This is Exodus chapter 14 and verse number 24. Exodus chapter 14, verse 24. Remember here, the children of Israel have come through the Red Sea. They've gone all night. A million and a half to three million Jews have come across the Red Sea. They came across on dry land. People say, well, you know what? It was just kind of a land bridge, and it wasn't really too, you know, it wasn't really dry. It was just a little wet. That's what archaeologists say. Can I tell you something? The Bible says they went on dry land. And that's exactly what they did. So, well, Pastor, how can you believe it? Because that's called by faith, believing that God, who is the true and the, the righteous God, who cannot lie, said in his word. You either believe it or you don't. So if you don't believe it, can I tell you something? The other miracles that, that people uh, don't believe, you, you can't believe those either. You know, there's some, I remember in, in Bible school, there was a, there was a, a book that was used by, in our uh, Old Testament history, and the, the teacher gave this disclaimer. He said, well, you know, this, this uh, Bible scholar, he gives a lot of facts which are good. He says some of his views are really kind of messed up, but the, the basic facts about the, the land and the different things like that, that's the reason why I recommended it. And one of the, one of the sections he was talking about, he says, you know, when the Jews were out there in the middle of the wilderness, and they, uh, you know, they got manna every day, and the manna, what that manna really was, was bee dung. Every day the bees would come and they'd drop these little white things on the ground and they would eat that because it was sweet like honey. I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me. This guy's crazy. It's easier to believe that God provided a thing called manna and provided for the children of Israel every day as he said he would, except on the Sabbath day, he provided enough on Saturday, uh, excuse me, on, on Friday to take them through that time period, I, but uh, the, the next day, because it was supposed to be a day of rest, God provided that bee dung? Can you imagine how many bees would be swarming around? Man, there would be a lot of bees for a million and a half people. Give enough food to provide for a person for a day? I mean, Jacob, he eats, he eats you out of house and home. But may I share with you, it's better, it's easier just to believe the miracles of God. So here, the children of Israel, they went through the Red Sea. Now notice what it says. In verse 23, it says, And the Egyptians pursued, and they went in after them in the midst of the sea, and, uh, even all Pharaoh's horses, and his chariots, and his horsemen. And it came to pass in the morning watch. Here's that, from 2 o'clock in the morning till 6, in that morning watch, 
the Lord looked unto the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire of cloud and troubled the host of the Egyptians and took off their chariot wheels that they drave them heavily so that the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. <laughs> and the Lord said unto Moses, stretch out thine hand over the sea and the that the waters may come again upon the Egyptians upon their chariots, upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its strength when the morning appeared. And the Egyptians fled against it, and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. And the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the, of Pharaoh that came, uh, and the host of Pharaoh that came unto the sea after them. They remained not so much as one of them, but the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. Can I tell you something? We have a God who's a great God. There's no explanation for that. Well, there was a, you know, there was a, a wind that was starting to part the water. It might be part the water, but they wouldn't be walking on dry land. I'm just telling you today, there is a God who can do the miraculous. Why? Because he's a faithful God. At just the right moment. At just the right time. You say, well, pastor, there's only three watches here. Yes. And in that portion of scripture that we, re that we were talking about a moment ago, it says in the fourth watch. During the time of Jesus Christ, the Romans had four watches. Four periods of times. They were three hours apart. The first watch was from 6 p.m. to 9 o'clock p.m. It's called the first, or called the evening. From the second watch was from 9 p.m. to 12 a.m. That, that was the second, or midnight. The third was from 12 a.m. to 3 a.m. Turn with me to Luke chapter 12 and verse number 37. Luke chapter 12, verse 37. Luke chapter 12, verse number 37. It says, Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Now here Jesus is talking about when he comes back. You know, can I tell you something? Jesus is coming again. That, one, that is one thing that I'm, I'm as certain as standing right here behind this pulpit today. Jesus is coming again. We are seeing prophecy fulfilled at a rapid rate unbelievable. Because people say, well, isn't it scary? No, 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 folks, it's not scary. You know what it is? It's exciting to the Christian because God's already told us that when you see these things start to come to pass, look up because your redemption draweth nigh. Hey, we're going home soon. Oh, yeah, it could be tomorrow or the next day or the day after. Well, you just keep that attitude because God says, blessed, happy are those servants whom when the, when the Lord, when he shall come, shall find watching, verily I say unto you, that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. And if he, uh, if he shall know, or he shall come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find uh, them so blessed, uh, blessed are those servants. Uh, the second watch. That second watch from 9 
until midnight or from midnight until three. Hey, if he comes at anyone, hey, we're still watching. We're still waiting. People say, well, you know what? The pastor, don't you understand? When Paul's time was there, people were looking for Jesus' return, and it still hasn't. It's 2,000 years. I understand that, but we're closer today than ever. And his prophecy has been fulfilled. And the Bible talks about the fact that this generation shall not pass away when he's talking about Israel and Israel coming back as a nation and, and the, all the things that, that are happening right now. He says this generation shall not pass away till all these things be fulfilled. I submit to you that Jesus is coming. Generation is 40 to 60 years. 1948 is when the nation of Israel became a nation. 40 years? Let's see, that would be 1988. 60 years would be 2008. We're living on exciting days. So, Pastor, I wonder, this generation is not going to pass away. Those people that were in that generation, folks, we're going to see the Lord. I believe we're going to see the Lord come. Some people are not going to even know it. They're not even, well, Pastor, you know what? Left behind. We, we heard last week how that Jim Patcher got saved and, and they were moved with regard to that, or his, his wife, I believe, was the one that got saved during that time. Uh, praise the Lord. God will bless his word, but can I tell you something? People who think that they're going to get saved after they've heard the gospel right now in this time period and have rejected it will not be saved. Because the Bible says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, they will believe the lie. Don't you put off getting saved. You need to receive Christ as your Savior today. And that fourth watch was from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. Jesus came to his disciples in that fourth watch. From six, or from, from 3 to 6 a.m., that's when he came. Could you imagine? 3 to 6 a.m., I don't know about you, when I'm driving at that time period, I'm, I have a hard time staying awake. My wife and my daughter and I, we came back from, when we went out to Knoxville, going out there, we all traded off and, and driving. It was like 34 hours or something like that to go out to Knoxville. Oh, it was good. It was fun. It was, but coming back, man, we're going like one every hour. I'm tired. I, I you know, uh, can, you better drive now. I mean, I can't keep my eyes open. And this is early in the morning. The daytime is okay, but man, that, that three to six was really tough. We were switching like every hour. Folks, can I tell you something? That's when, when these men had been out there rowing against the waves and everything. They were trying to make headway. They weren't going anywhere. And then the Lord Jesus Christ comes to them in that fourth watch. I'm glad the Lord comes to us in the fourth watch. When we are out there, we're toiling, we're not getting anywhere. The Lord sees us, and he comes to encourage our heart. Maybe you're in that fourth watch right now. i tell you something. There is a faithful Lord who sees you. And he cares about you in that fourth watch. He comes. Look with me, if you would, to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, verse 48. Mark chapter 6, verse 48. And he, talking of Jesus, saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them, and about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed he had been a spirit, and cried out. Talking about Jesus here. For they all saw him, and were troubled. And immediately he, he talked with them, and saith unto them, 
Uh, be not, excuse me, be of good cheer, for it is I, be not afraid. And when he, and he went up into them, into the ship, and, uh, and the wind ceased. Excuse me, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered, for they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. Can I tell you something? He comes into the, the ship, and all of a sudden the waves are done. The wind's done. It's all calm. You know what? When Jesus comes into your heart, he can give you peace like no one else can. Oh, in the world will have tribulation. But Jesus said, in me you'll have peace. Do you need peace today? Well, we have a faithful Savior who's one that you can go to and you can still be saved today. Habakkuk was at his appointed place at his appointed time. He was there in the watch. May I share with you, it's important to be on time. You say, why? Well, first of all, it shows respect to the person you are meeting. It shows respect for the person you are meeting. Someone has said, you cannot respect someone, but disrespect their time. When you're late to an appointment, can I share with you? You're disrespectful to that person. You're disrespectful to that person. Marvin uh, J. Aston made the following observation. Being on time to appointments and meetings is a, is a, fa uh, is a phase of self-discipline and an evidence of self-respect. Punctuality is a courteous compliment the intelligent person pays to his associate. When you're on time, you're paying a compliment to those people, a courteous compliment that you respect them. We ought to strive to be early. We ought to strive to be early. I appreciate Brother Jeff. Brother Jeff, he's always early. I don't know if that was the military training or if that's how you were before, but Brother Jeff, when he has an appointment, he's early. You can count on it. He'll be, he'll be there early. Praise the Lord for that. You know, you can be on time even with a broken watch, someone has said. You just need the will to be punctual. William Shakespeare said, better three hours too soon than a minute too late. Good point. There are some folk, though, which are always late. Always. They often joke and say something like this, I'll probably be, be late for my own funeral. But can I tell you something? God doesn't look at that as being uh, something to laugh about. Because it's a, a character flaw. It's a problem with your character. You say, well, Pastor, it shows respect to the person you're... you're um, you're meeting to be on time? Absolutely. You ought to be on time when you come to the house of God. You know, we can miss something important when we're not on time. Can turn with me to John chapter 20, verse number 19. John chapter 20, verse number 19. Here's a familiar portion of Scripture. Jesus has just risen from the dead. The disciples were meeting together. Verse number 19 says, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, that was Sunday, by the way, folks. The Bible talks about it as being the Lord's day in the book of Revelation chapter 1. The first day of the week is the Lord's day. Why do we call it the Lord's day? Because it honors the Lord. 
It is a day that we're to look and honor our God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. It is the Lord's day. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands. Jesus showed his hands and his side. Why his hands and his side? Well, the nail prints were there, and the side was pierced. Then said Jesus to them, Peace be unto you, as the Father has sent me, even so send I you. Hey, he's giving instruction here. Jesus is giving command for his disciples at this particular point in time. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, uh, breathed on unto them and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Hey, he gave them the authority of the Spirit of God who's going to come and live inside to the disciples. Whosoever sins ye remit, they, sh they are remitted unto them. And whosoever uh, sins ye retain, they are, are re they are retained. But notice verse 24. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. What did he miss? He missed, he missed seeing the risen Savior. He missed, he missed being given authority. He had missed the promise. Why? Because he was not in his place on time. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord, but he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of his nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. You know what? A hard heart comes when we don't have a desire to be in our, on time. It's just an attitude of our heart. Thomas has a cold heart here. I mean, you can't, boy, I tell you what, I want to take my finger and thrust it through. Hey, that's not a heart of love. That's a heart of ugh, unbelief. Notice what goes on. And after eight days, again, his disciples were, were there, and, and Thomas with them. Finally, Thomas got on board. Been where he's supposed to be. Then came Jesus, and the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace be unto you. Then said he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed, happy are they that have not seen, and yet have believed. And I share with you, when you think of Thomas, he missed out because he wasn't where he was supposed to be on time. You know, some come late. They say, well, I'm just missing the singing part of the service. <laughs> Can I tell you something? The singing part's important. When you sing, that, that, all that introduction, dealing with the singing and all that, ought to lead up to that point, as someone has said, once the singing's done, the special song, you should be able to give an invitation and people respond to the gospel if it's done right. I think of the parable of the ten virgins. We won't look there. But you know it's in Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13. It says five were wise and five were foolish. The five wise ones, they took oil in their lamp. The five foolish ones, they didn't take any oil. A picture of the Holy Spirit. 
And all of a sudden, the, the, they were told that the uh, bridegroom was going to come. And so the five wise, they took their, their lamp and they, they trimmed the lamp and they lit it up. And uh, the five foolish, they didn't have any oil. And they came and said, hey, you know, give us some of your oil so we can go in. They said, well, you know what? You need to go deal with that yourself. It's a personal thing. You need to go take care of that yourself. And so while they went out to go finally take care of what should have been taken care of, the bridegroom came and those that were wise went in with him into the, into the marriage supper. Five foolish came and said, hey, let us in. He said, wait a minute, hold on a second. Too late. You know, there's going to be people, that's how they are going to be with salvation. Jesus in the rapture is going to take home his, his children. If you know Christ is your Savior, God's going to take you home. There are going to be a lot of people who say, well, I can get saved tomorrow. Yeah, you'll get saved. You think you'll get saved tomorrow, but just like when Noah got, went into the ark and the door was shut, the Bible says the Lord shut the door. I can imagine hearing on the outside those people hollering to get into that ark. They made fun. They mocked the things of God until that day about the rain coming. It was too late. Habakkuk was faithful to be on time. He was there on his watch. The time when he should have been there, he was there. Let me ask you a question. Are you? Are you faithful on time? Notice the second thing as we go back to Habakkuk very quickly. We've, he was faithful to be at his appointed place. You say, oh, pastor, what does that mean? Well, let's look at that. Go back to Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse number 1. Habakkuk was in his appointed place. It says, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower. I will set me upon the tower. Habakkuk was a prophet of God as a watchman, and a watchman would find the high, a high place where he could look out and watch the enemy. Here he says that he was on the tower. Adam Clark says the prophets are always represented as a watchman, watching constantly for the comfort the safety, and the welfare of the people. He says, we're in the tower, we're watching, we're, we're, we're warning of the enemy, and we're warning of problems, and you better take, take heed. A faithful person is ready to serve in their place. Are you at your appointed place of service for the Lord at the appointed time? I can tell you it's easy to get sidetracked, is it not? But a faithful person is in their place ready to serve on time. I think of Brother Randy. He's back there at his place. You see him as he opens the door and has things ready to go. And Brother Randy, I appreciate him. I, I appreciate Linda and Karen over there with the children on Wednesday night making the food. I don't have to sit there and say, well, I wonder if somebody's going to be over there fixing those food. Because those kids, they get, they get hungry. Amanda and, and Dalen are over there on Sunday mornings. Appreciate them and their faithfulness in, in those areas. Hey, you know, when you teach, when you usher, when you're in the nursery, when you're in the PA, let me ask you, when it's your time to be on, uh, on time, that's important, but to be in your place, when you need to be, and people are counting on you to be in your place, are you there? You say, well, pastor, I'm on the church property. That's not being in your place. 
People are counting on you. Here, this man, Habakkuk, was not only in his watch on the time when he needed to be there, but he was in his place in the tower. How important it is to be faithful in those areas. Notice the third thing very quickly that Habakkuk was, a, was faithful in doing his job. Look at the last part here. And will watch to see what he, talking of God, will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. He said, I'm listening to God. I'm watching. He was a watchman. He was in the tower. He's watching for the people. He was going to warn the people. He says, I'm going to know what to say. God's going to speak to me and I'm going to be able to say what I need to say. You know, the Bible talks about Jesus Christ being on time, doing his job at the appointed time. The Bible says in Galatians 4.4, 4, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law. Folks, may I share with you that Jesus couldn't have come in 2022. He had to come exactly when he came to fulfill the prophecy of the Old Testament scriptures. He came at the exact moment. Jesus said, I came not to do my will, but to do the will of him that sent me. The father looked down at Jesus and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus was faithful. Jesus was faithful to do his job. The Bible says in John 15, verse 8, it says, in this my father is glorified that you bring forth much fruit. Not just fruit, much fruit. Folks, can I ask you a question? Are you doing your job? Are you doing your job? Are you faithful to that job that God's called you to do? The Bible says in Luke 16.10, He that is faithful in that which is least will be faithful in that which is much. I've learned over the years, sometimes I kind of slip back, but I learned over the years, you give a person a little job and see what they do with that little job before you give them a bigger one. Because see, if they're unfaithful in that which is little, they won't do that which is faithful a little and do it faithfully, then you give them a bigger job, guess what? They'll bail on you. Oh, pastor, I, I, I believe we need to have somebody work in the youth department and, and, and start this program. When I was a young person, or when I was a young preacher doing that, and I'd say, oh, yeah, okay, you do it. That person would be there a week or two. You'd start a ministry a week or two, and that person would be gone, and now you're stuck with a ministry that was started by somebody who had a desire but didn't have any discipline. Folks, can I tell you something? This is part about being faithful, about being faithful to the job. Let me ask you today as we wind things up, are we a faithful servant? As you look at your life, would you, is God looking at you? Hey, it's not whether pastor is looking at you, it's whether God looks at you. If God looks at you and looks at your life and how you live your life for Jesus, would he say, well done, thou good and faithful? Remember one thing, he's not, he's not impressed by what you're trying to impress people. He's looking, are you faithful to me? If you're not faithful to God, you won't be faithful in any area of your life. 
Because a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. When you say, I'm living for God, but you're really not, <laughs> then the decisions you're making, you're not going to be faithful. So are you faithful? Are you on time? Oh, pastor, you just don't know me. That's just how I am. Can I tell you something? God saved us, not to leave us how we are, but to make us to be more like Jesus Christ. You just give that excuse to the Lord and tell him, hey, well, you know what? Jesus was just, you know, he just kind of did his own thing. Really, how about the scriptures? What do the scriptures say? Came not to do his own will, but the will of him that sent him. When he said, it is finished, the job was done. Are we in our place when we're supposed to be? If you're supposed to be in the uh, back there with, with helping Brother Randy Usher back there, and you're over on the other side, and you're just chit-chatting and stuff like that, hey, fellowship is great. But we need to be in our place at our time. So, Pastor, fellowship is important. It's important that we realize the importance of being in our place. Jesus was in his place. I'm glad he was in his place on the cross. Hey, he asked the Father three times, hey, let this cut pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And folks, we have to decide whose will are we trying to please. Is it God's or mine or others? Do we do our very best for the Lord? Or do we do a job that's half done? Oh, I don't know about you. I'm glad Jesus went all the way to the cross. He didn't go two-thirds and say, oh, I'm done with this. No, no, he went all the way to the cross. Well, it's hard to do this job, absolutely. And you know what? That's where character is built. When you do the job and you do it to the end, it shows what type of integrity and character you have. I pray that you've got character that God is building in your life. Hey, it's doing it, doing it when you don't feel like doing it. When we faint in the day of adversity, our strength is small. I pray that God would be great in your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity of being able to be your servants. And Father, I pray today that we would be faithful. Faithful in all of our life. Faithful to you. We thank you that you were faithful. Thank you that Jesus, our Savior, was faithful. Thank you for examples of Daniel and Moses and, and David and and Timothy, Lord, these men were faithful. Lord, I pray that we would be that way so that one day we'll hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Lord, I know right now that your spirit's working in our hearts, but I know right now also that the devil is there trying to discourage. Tell people, well, it's not really that important to be faithful. Lord, it is important. We're not our own. We're bought with a price. We're to glorify you and our body and our spirit, which are yours. Father, I pray today that you'd grab a hold of our hearts and our life, and Lord, may we be different and changed. Father, I thank you for this time now in Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't know whether you're saved or you're lost. Only you do, and God knows. But let me share with you today, there is a God who's faithful. And if you will understand that you are a sinner and need a Savior. God has already provided a Savior for you. There's only one. It's Jesus Christ. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name given un, uh, under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You must be saved if you're going to go to heaven. 
And Jesus is the only way. Today, if you accept what the Word of God says, that you're a sinner, you're on your way to hell, but Jesus paid the price for your sin, and you accept him as your Savior and say, God, I believe Jesus died, he was buried and rose again, according to the Scriptures. I put my trust and my faith in Jesus alone to save me and call on him. He will save you today. Say, how do I do that? Well, by saying, dear God, I know I'm a sinner. And I believe Jesus died for me. He's a wonderful Savior. I come to him and I know that I've done things wrong. I want to turn from my sin. I want to turn to Jesus and follow him. And I ask Jesus to save me right now. In Jesus' name, I pray. If you prayed that prayer right now, and you meant it in your heart, not just a bunch of words, but you meant it in your heart, God says you're saved. If you prayed that prayer and asked Christ to be your Savior, would you do me a favor? I'd love to pray for you. I don't want to embarrass you. I just want to encourage you. If you prayed and asked Christ to be your Savior today, would you slip your hand up for just a moment and put it back down? Is there anyone like that this morning? You prayed and asked Jesus to be your Savior? Dear Christian, let me ask you today, has, has the Spirit of God spoken to your heart about this thing about being faithful, being faithful on time, being faithful about being in your place, about being faithful and doing your best? Maybe God's spoken to you about that this morning. You say, Pastor, here's some areas that God's spoken to me about. I know some things need to change. And today I, I'm committing to him to change these things. Hey, I don't want you to raise your hand if you're not, you don't mean business. Because God says it would be better for you not to raise your hand, not to acknowledge those things, than to promise God and then go against it. But if you really mean that, if God spoke into your heart and you truly mean business for God, would you do me a favor to slip your hand up if you'd like me to pray for you? Yes, amen. See that hand, that hand over here, hand over here. Anybody else? Dear Father, we pray for these hands that were raised, and I pray for your, your strength and your courage your, and your power to do that which is... Uh, in their life, their desire to, to be faithful like you are. Father, I pray that you would work in their life. Give them that, that strength today. Help them, Lord, in this time of invitation. Lord, just uh, strengthen their spirit. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand. Brother Scott, lead us in a song of invitation. And as he leads us, I pray today, if you're not sure you're saved, let me encourage you to come and get saved today. Ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart and save you. If you are a Christian, you say, oh, Pastor, there's some things I know that God wants to talk to me about today. He wants to work in my life. You know, we're not here to please men. We're here to please God. And I pray that that's where your heart is today, to please Him with all your heart. If you've never been baptized, hey, that pleases God. You need to be baptized once you're saved, once you know Christ is your Savior, and join a church. If you've been saved by, by uh, receiving Christ, you've been baptized by immersion, hey, this is a great church. It's a good church. Preaches the word of God. I pray that you'd uh, be a part of this church. Brother Scott, come and lead us in a song.